Heavenly Father, for the salvation of my family and I, and the new season you have brought me into. I declare breakthroughs are coming in my life. Sudden breakouts of God's goodness and favor on every side, not in drops or in streams, but a flood of God's power, healing, deliverance, wisdom, favor, and all that is necessary for life and godliness. I am a breakthrough person and I choose to be breakthrough minded from now onwards. I am expecting God to shower me with his goodness and amaze me with his favor all around and in all that he leads me to do and pursue in the name of Jesus Christ, son of the living God. This is my declaration for this season and so shall it be as ordained by God. Amen. Hallelujah. If you believe what you said, just put your hands together. Put your hands together wherever you are. It may sound a bit odd, but this time you should be getting used to this by now. Hallelujah. We well, thank God. He has no equal. He has no rival. Nobody is closer to him. And I've always said this, church, God is not the power of light, whilst the devil is the power of darkness. He is God over everything. The devil in all his glory is still under God. In the same way, I'm going to do some teaching on the prophetic gifts because I think some people are getting it all wrong. A prophet is not the Christian fetish priest. A prophet is not. And if you understand the concept of the New Testament prophet, we are more of proclaimers. We declare and teach the mind of God. We don't give herbs to people to bath. Prophets don't, we are not the Christian version or the, 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 the worldly version or the evil version of fetish priest. A prophet is a mouthpiece of God. Hallelujah. I understand, don't, I mean, I understand that there are symbols and tokens, but I think we are taking it too far. Cannot be supported by scripture and we must bring this order quickly. This morning, I want to continue with a message I started with you last week on the subject from ashes to glory. Hallelujah. From ashes to glory. Last week, let me do a quick summary. Last week we said that a life of ash or ashes or a life that comes into ashes is that life that has nothing to glory about. That has nothing to show for. A life of ashes is a life that has lost everything meaningful in it. And we said that there are three conditions that can bring an individual to a place of ashes. Number one, we said that God can lead you into that place. He can allow you to go through it to teach you something. Hallelujah. Like Job. Job went through ashes not because he committed a sin. 
It was because God wanted to just tell a story that no matter how low a man's life sinks, with God he can rise above and even be better than he was before. And then we also talked about when we commit errors and sin. We deliberately ignore the instructions and the word of God for our lives. It can lead us into ashes. It can lead us into a life of ashes. Like the children of Israel, God will tell them, don't serve any other God. Don't bow to any other image. They say, "Mm mm-hmm. That's what we want to do. We want to bow. We want to share. We want to do and, and, and the Bible says that each time they did that, if I want to read, you want to really understand how the children of Israel went into bondage, read the book of Judges. Interesting. Sometimes they come out of one. In about two, three years, they have entered one. Because they were stubborn. They wanted to have their own way. And then number three, that is the third one, having your own way. You know exactly what God wants you to do. But you think you are smarter than God, so you will have your way. It brings you into ashes. An example is Cain. An example is Cain. And Esau was even an example. So we must come to understand that a life of ashes is not one demonic attack that visits the believer unawares. It is not. If it is something like that, it is because God has chosen to allow it to teach you something and to build capacity in you. If you understand that, say amen. And so we began to look at the pathways to get out of ashes into glory. Now the last one I will do next week Sunday will be the the, the subject I've entitled uh, The Necessity of Favor. That's the last one I'll do next week. And then the fourth Thanksgiving Sunday, we will start the prophetic services into the worship and wonder if Jesus tarries. So today we want to look at a life from ashes to glory, part two. And I want to continue. In fact, in my teaching this, in the book, we're going to look at about 15 pathways that will lead a believer out of ashes into a glorious life, to the palace. But in the teaching, I am just sharing nine. It's a teaser, so you can buy the book to read. Amen. So I will be sharing eight more pathways with you today. Now, last Sunday, I shared one. I said the number one key of getting out of shame into beauty, into glory, from getting out of a life of nothing, meaningless, a life that has nothing to prove, is number one, to repent. Live in repentance. The number one pathway, and we're looking at the life of Nehemiah and Hannah. The life of Nehemiah and Hannah. Now, the Bible says that in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, the Bible says that Nehemiah was told about the broken down state and how there was smoke everywhere because whatever they held as sacred in their relationship with God, when they took God for granted, had been destroyed by the enemy. And so the Bible says that when Nehemiah heard the story, he was broken and instead of crying and blaming God, he began to seek forgiveness from God. 
he began to retreat his tracks. Whatever had brought them that kind of condition, he began to repent. And when you read from verse 6, the Bible says, he spoke to God that forgive me and my father's house and the entire nation, Jewish nation, forgive us our sins so that we will be restored. And he quoted some very important things in there, which we will come to when we are talking about the favor factor. Now, he said that you said in the book of Moses that when a man's ways pleases him, then your covenant will speak for him. Then your covenant will speak for him. So, when a man's ways does not please God, God's covenant fights you. You wish that when you are not pleasing God, his covenant will be quiet. But the covenant can never be quiet because the covenant of God must always be in action. So if it is not blessing, it is fighting. It is important to understand this. So we looked at the fact that if you want to find your way back to glory, come to that life of fruitfulness, victory, success, and breakthrough, then you need to repent. And I remember I made this point, which I want to reiterate this morning, that repentance is not just being sorrowful and saying sorry. Repentance is not complete until there is a change of mind and direction. Hallelujah. A certain way, a certain path you walked on gave you what you are seeing. If you don't like the ashes, you must turn around. And I said that you are a sum total of your choices and your actions. Hallelujah. Every action and a choice has consequences. We choose what we want to do, but the consequences we don't choose. Amen. So we said that number one, for us to be able to come to that place where our lives will be set on course towards glory, we must repent. Repentance is key. And I, I, I can go on and on. It's one of my favorite subjects I can talk about all year. Repentance is important. Some of us, we need to repent in our relationship with God. Some of us, we need to repent in our relationship with men. You are like I, uh, Jacob. You always want to be the smart one. Among friends, you never bring money. You never have money. Boys, boys, bring money to buy food. You always don't have money. And yet when everybody is gone on your own, in the comfort of your home, you buy granite and gari and you are chewing. Change your mind. It is self-centeredness. So we all need to repent from something. Not just sin, but certain lifestyles that does not reveal God's glory. Hallelujah. Today we want to look at eight more of the pathways. And my key scripture is 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7 to 10. Hannah said something very, very important that I want us to um, 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 go into it and let it guide us. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7. The Bible says that 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7, not seven, chapter 7, chapter 2, verse 7 to 10. 1 Samuel. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap. 
to serve them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. I love the things Hannah was saying, verse 9. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. Verse 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will tender against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Hallelujah. So clearly Hannah has said in these few verses that if you want to see your life in the palace of glory, you must have a partnership with God. That is why repentance is key. Repentance simply means that what I lost with God, the relationship that was broken, the relationship that was severed, the relationship that became strained because I went my own way. I decided to do things my own way. I didn't pay attention to the word of the Lord. It must be restored. He clearly, verse 7, he made that point. Verse 8, he made that point. Verse 9, he made that point. He said, it is God who lifts people from nothing to greatness. And he went, she went ahead to say that for the pillars of the earth are the lost. And then he made another strong statement. He said, for by strength shall no man prevail. My brothers and sisters, this morning I want to invite you to the realm of reasoning. And this is that invitation that stop depending on your connections and your contact, it won't take you anywhere. The Bible says unless the Lord builds his house, the laborers will labor. He didn't say the laborers cannot build. They will labor. Child of God, there is a path that requires your cooperation with God and you will come to the top. It is not necessarily working hard without God. Everybody submits to something. Some of us, we don't even know anything. We don't have anything. And yet, the God we have, we are not paying attention to serve him. So Anna, Hannah, sorry, the mother of Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in Bible times and even in our time today, said that you must understand that you cannot amount to anything without God's involvement. Hallelujah. So I want us to look at eight more things. That will help us after repentance. The second thing that will put us on the path to glory is we must love God and observe his commandments. Love God greatly. Simply put. Love God. We must love God. We must be lovers of God. Lovers of God don't make excuses why they didn't meet. I mean, all of us, most of us, not if not all of us who are watching me this morning, we are either married or in a relationship. You know, if you are not hearing about the person you are in a relationship with, you call and you ask, hey, buddy, what's up? Isn't it? How can you say you love God and he only sees you when you are in trouble? He only hears your voice when you are in trouble. That is not love. That is manipulation. And some of us, even in our relationship, we never talk about anything and apart from our needs. And I want this. I want this. That is not love. 
People who fall in love, they do something that is part of love. They observe to please one another. Nehemiah chapter 1, quickly. We must be lovers of God. We must be lovers of God. Nehemiah 1 verse 5. So pathway number 1, we must repent. Pathway number 2, we must be great lovers of God. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. So God is committed to only those who love him. I know some of you may say, ah, but pastor, what happened to the sovereignty of God? I don't know why you will be bold to go to a hospital and be satisfied with seeing a nurse when there is a doctor. Why would you want to do that? Sammy, will you do that? You'll be bold. You are not well. You, you manage to package yourself into a car. You manage to unpack yourself into the hospital. You join that long queue. And then when the nurse took your vitals or whatever statistics they take, your temperature, your, your, your high blood pressure and all those things. And then said, oh, well, I suspect that. Well, but the doctor is also there. I think you should go. He said, oh, no, I'm all right. The nurse, you are talking to me. It's okay. Why would you do that? What I'm saying this morning is that let's get to know God in his will, in his, in his perfect nature than God dealing with us out of his sovereignty. Because you don't get more in the sovereignty of God. But when you walk with God, you get more. Abraham walked with God and he had more. Hallelujah. Those who experience the sovereignty of God, in the end, they made several mistakes. And they died, perished. So, Lovers of God, if you want to see your life in the palace of glory, you must be an addicted lover of God. Unashamedly, you can't be shy. Let people know that you love God, that you believe in Jesus. There is one way, there is one mediator between man and God. And that man, that mediator is our Lord Jesus Christ. We must be addicted lovers of God unashamedly, unapologetic I am not ashamed he is the reason why I am where I am he is the reason why I am who I am, I am not ashamed I am a Christian and I'm saying it boldly I love God we must be lovers Nehemiah said he keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love and observe his commandments. So lovers of God, we must be. Nehemiah teaches us that those who love and observe the commandments of God set themselves up to be promoted. You want to see promotion? You want to see elevation? You want to see all that God has promised you? There is no shortcut, child of God. Be a lover of God. Be a lover of God. Who is a lover of God? Shortly, this point, I needed to explain it properly. Who is a lover of God? A lover of God is the one who hates evil, injustice, untruthfulness, pretense, and unrighteousness. Hallelujah. A lover of God is the one who hates evil, injustice, You hate it. You don't condone it. You don't blink and turn, turn your eyes away as if you didn't see it. 
Evil is evil. You know somebody, every time they are trying to bring somebody down, rebuke them. It's evil. Some of us are friends who are poisoning, walking. They are walking poisons. And they are in your camp. So, you, I, 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 aren't you surprised you are not consistent? How can you be consistent when inconsistency is your friend? You can never be. How can you be punctual when the one who is not punctual is your friend? The Bible says, iron sharpened iron. If you want to see the best of God for your life, identify with those who are serving him in an uncompromising way. Hallelujah. A lover of God is the one who hates evil, injustice, untruthfulness, pretense, and unrighteousness. Psalm 97 verse 10. Quickly. This point I needed to break it down because it is the actual foundation after repentance. You must be a lover of God. I didn't say a fan of God, a lover of God. A fan of God are people who get excited about the things of God but cannot pay any price. If it is convenient and comfortable, they will do it. But it requires that they do something extra. Uh -huh, that one you can't count of them. So that is the difference between a fan of God and a lover of God. This morning, define where you stand and make up your mind. If you want to see what God has promised us as in glory, as in breakthrough. Hallelujah. A lover of God is the one who hates evil. Evil. It is evil to be plotting people's downfall. It is evil to go and say sensitive things about people in places where they are about to have honor and promotion and they are brought down. You have marked yourself for destruction. The Bible says that if you dig a pit for another man, you will fall into it. So much evil in the church. Because I can understand, we are all sick people who have come to seek healing. Hallelujah. Psalm 97 verse 10, he says, You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. You can't be a lover of God and condone wrongdoing and evil. Hallelujah. Christians, we don't believe in selling our bodies for money. It's not the teaching of the church. Use what you have to get what you want. You can't be a born again Christian and live like that. It is wrong. It is evil. And if you know somebody like that, don't just redraw. Point it out. Injustice is when people just can't be truthful. Injustice is denying people what is rightfully theirs. Like when you don't pay your tithe for the church to run, it's injustice. That's a hard punch. How do you expect us to run? Sometimes when I hear people on social media talking about, in this pandemic too, the church is talking about tithe. In this pandemic, has God gone on leave? He's working. Thank you. He's working. He's working. God is working in my own life. I have seen it. 
using me to declare his mind to people. Strange things people don't have insight into. He's giving me the insight into them. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, we need to. It's injustice to be watching this life transmission and you won't give an offering. Your pastor, I'm telling you. Because the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. If you're a lover of God, you will give him cheerfully. And hear this church. We don't give to God out of our surplus. We give because it's an instruction we must obey. Am I communicating this morning? Let's look at James 1.12. I, I love what he says there. Lovers of God, they hate wrong. Injustice. Pretense. When people are pretending, let them know that you know. You See, see sometimes eh, it is only in the church where people make excuses and they don't feel guilty about it. In the system of the world you want to have influencing, they don't make room for excuses. Watch all these top guys. Who is going to even listen to you? James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So lovers of God, they have the crown of life. Lovers of God, they don't embrace evil. They reprimand it. Number three, pathway. We must make the things of God our priority. The things of God must be our priority. It means that God's things must be first. And you see, the concept of priority, my brothers and sisters, is not just in word. It's, in, it's more in action. For instance, let me give you an example. I want to watch a, a program on TV, football. And the time of the football is 6 p.m. And I have to come to church too at 6 p.m. Which one do you choose? That's the priority. That's your God. There are levels of priority. There are levels. Sometimes it even comes to your personal life. You have needs. And then God is leading you to give to the church. Which one do you respond to? <laughs> we must make the things of God our priority. No matter the circumstances or how bad the situation, dicey the situation must. So pathway number one, repentance. Pathway number two, lover of God. Pathway number three, make God a priority. The things of God. Your faith, your prayer life must be a priority. Don't wake up and the first thing you are looking for is your phone. Who has sent me a message? Some of you, you wake up early in the morning and you are on Facebook. Are you alright? When you slept, do you know what happened? People who make God priority are people who put God first. It's God first agenda. God first in everything. God first. I receive my salary, 10 CDs. God says, give me one CD. I'm not going to put anything above God. I give him the one CD. Then I plan with the nine CDs. And I've always been saying, if you can't give God 10% for 
Forget about when he makes you the millionaire of the world. You can't give him anything. So number one, repentance. Number two, lover of God. Number three, God priority. Make the things of God a priority. And God will make you a priority. Nehemiah chapter 2. Let's read from verse 4 or verse 3. Okay, let's take it from verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 2. Verse 1. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Ahas, let me say Ahasuerus, which wine was be, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. And see, this story of Nehemiah is one of the beautiful works of God God can do in a man's life. You cannot be a cup bearer and have attitude. Your head will go. Whether you are happy or not, you must smile. And that's something the church must understand. That when you are a lover of God and you are a God priority person, you don't choose and pick. You do what is appropriate. You don't pick and act. Pick and choose. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid because he knew what it meant. His head was about to go. That's straight. And said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. The guy didn't say my family members have been captured. The guy didn't say, oh, everything we own is gone. He said the house of God. He made God a priority. And that is the basic underlining factor that made Nehemiah a success story. You can't put God first and he will ignore you. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. It's okay, let's move on. Verse 4. The next point, point 4. So that's point 4. We must be prayerful. And when I say prayerful, I am not talking about every time. I am talking about uh, talking to God about what he wants you to do. That is one part of prayer that is missing in the life of many 21st century believers. Our prayer is always, God, give me. God, do that. God, do that. When are you going to start praying and asking God, what do you want from me? Now, people who make God a priority will not struggle in this kind of prayer. Because suddenly, an opportunity came for him to talk to the king. The same king who had destroyed the city. He was now talking to him about rebuilding. And it was important to understand that he got to know that, look, it is God who is even giving me favor before this man. Let me not miss this opportunity. So Nehemiah prayed. What does it mean that he prayed? He investigated. He inquired of the Lord. The Bible says when David, a mighty warrior, came to his camp, came back from roaming, the Bible says he noticed that his, his, his entire camp had been ransacked. And the warrior, see, when you know how to do something, you don't go around asking questions. Is that not what common sense is? David could have pursued those. 
but he didn't. He said, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue? Because God is committed to what he instructs you to do. God is only committed to what he instructs you to do. So when I say be prayerful, I am talking about coming to that place where you inquire into the mind of God. What do I do, Lord? The king is asking me, what do I want? Do I say, leave me to go? Because certainly when you, you as we read on, you observe that the kind of items Nehemiah was asking from the king, it didn't make sense. In fact, his head was on the line. But when you hear God, when you hear God speak to you, the wind will obey, the sea will obey, the storms of life will obey, every circumstance will obey. It doesn't matter what you are going through and what has come up against you. Like the prophet Habakkuk said, he said, the fig tree may not blossom, nor fig or olives in the vine, nor cattle in the store, yet I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord God of my salvation. He said, I will walk on my high heels, for the Lord is my strength and my bravery and my invincible army when you can hear the mind of God you are not afraid you are not perturbed you are not disturbed Isaiah 31 verse 4 says for you are like a young lion when he sports and discovers the prey no matter the voices of shepherds that hoots and shouts at it it is not distracted when you hear the mind of God in the place of prayer nothing will be able to stop you and child of God, listen to me. Between you and where you are desiring to be is in that place of prayer. Not in that place of begging. Not in that place of asking God do this, do that, do that. It's in that place of seeking for his perfect will. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and it shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. These are three dimensions of prayer. Nehemiah at this time, the Bible says, and he prayed to God. He engaged the third dimension of prayer. He was seeking what God wants done. Not his own will. Many of us have missed out on divine opportunities to have changed the stories of our lives because we allowed ourselves first instead of putting God first. You see, you can just be seeking personal things if you can't come into the third dimension of prayer, which is the dimension of knocking. It is the dimension of saying, God, what do you want me to do. I am knocking, bring that thing to pass and in the dimension of seeking, where you are saying that Father, I know we are slaves. What we need most is to be free because common sense tells you that in freedom you can develop but the mind of God also says that the man needs more than freedom to develop. Apart from freedom, you need resources and all these two things were with the king. So Nehemiah had to pray. Otherwise Otherwise, he would have just said, God, just get us free. When we are free, we will go and work. Listen to me, child of God. There are processes God can lift you above if you can seek his face and if you can keep knocking. This morning, I came to tell you that from the ash hill to the place of glory, to the palace of glory, you need to engage the three dimensions of prayer. You need to ask God. 
God. What do you require of me? And you need to seek also this thing that you want from me. How do I go about it? And you need to keep knocking. God, I have heard your word and I am not giving up. I take grace. I take the anointing that is in me according to your word. And I break through every limitation. What men say cannot be done. As I knock, I receive the authority. I receive the ability. I receive the grace. Oh, we are not at the mercy of men if we can engage God in these three dimensions. Hmm. Hallelujah. So Nehemiah prayed. He was asking, he was seeking, he was knocking. Consistency. Because you see, sometimes some of us think that what we need to change the story is simple, but it is not that simple. Every slave will tell you that their liberty is important. But for Nehemiah, it wasn't just his liberty. It was about rebuilding the wall, getting the house of God to come back to his glory. So it wasn't just about liberty. And that it doesn't that, you know, confirms the scripture that says that if you stand for God, he will stand for you. When he asked for the things to go and build the, 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 the city again, was he not giving his liberty? Be careful. Number five, the faith pathway. We must not lose focus. Many times we set out on a God agenda and then along the line, the focus comes on us. Never lose focus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What seems to be distracting you? I love James 1.12. He said when you are tempted and you are able to overcome it, God will give you the crown of life. Never be tempted to lose focus. Hear this. When you start a journey with God, he will be unusually good to you. It's a test. One of the lessons I learned very early in my life was how to look out for God's portion in every blessing he brings me. In every blessing God brings you. Listen, don't be content with paying tight. Go beyond. And I'm not saying do this every day. Because there is God's portion in every blessing he brings you. Hallelujah. Don't lose focus. When your desires or needs are met, never allow anything to distract you from the cause you are pursuing for God. Go to Nehemiah 1, 2, 5. Never be distracted. Don't lose focus. Nehemiah did this so well. It was between his liberty and the building of the wall. But remember, the essence of the fasting was not his personal freedom. It was the rebuilding. Sometimes we forget why we start some things in the first place. That is why we get distracted. We forget. People have spoken to me. What are you still doing in Akosombo? Sometimes eh, it is so tempting. And I look around and I say, look, all this anointing 
that is so glorious, that makes you say the things you are saying, was given to me here. And sometimes we are not smart. You leave, and what makes you attractive doesn't go with you. You are in trouble. Hallelujah. We must not lose focus when our desires or needs are met. Nehemiah 2 verse 5, he said, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. I am putting to you, my brothers and sisters, Nehemiah could have said, Look, just make me a free person. And it wouldn't have changed anything. Child of God, that which made you do those personal vows, you said things to God. God, if you heal me, I'll do this. God, if you give me a job, I'll do this. And he gave you that job and suddenly you started remembering that your next name is El Shaddai. Your family is poor. You have to roof your family house. You have to do this. You have to do that. And forgot that God put you on that pedestal because you said you will seek his things first. Don't be distracted. It is a pathway. If you get distracted, you will go to the ash heap. But if you keep your focus, it will take you to the place of glory. See, child, church, let me say this. Nobody outgives God. Nobody. Nobody. Not even the billionaires in the world. They cannot outgive God. The biggest philanthropist has not done one millionth. Who has given his son? This pandemic came. Has anybody offered their son so that the pandemic will go away? But the greatest pandemic of all time, sin, somebody offered his only begotten son. If you are giving to this God, you should even be bowing in shame. Father, I know it's not macho, but take it. He knows. Hallelujah. We must not lose focus. His focus was intact. From day one, his sadness, his brokenness was because the church was down. And when he had opportunity before the king, he didn't talk about something else. That same thing was what he brought up. Don't lose focus. Number six, pathway. We must protect and treasure godly relationships. God brings us into. Number six. We must protect and treasure godly relationships God brings us into. Some of us, we use people like tissue paper. Because right now, they don't seem to have anything to offer you. Even you, you are seeking a comeback. How much more them? Or how about them? <laughs> we say everybody goes through the valley of life. Don't we say that? And everybody deserves to come back. We must protect. If you want to move from the ashes, the place of ashes to the place of glory, protect godly relationships. Listen, God will use people to take you into things. 
I have some relationships that no matter what happens, I will never throw them away. Never. Let, let me, give me one minute. Listen. Seeking to keep a relationship intact doesn't make you the weaker one. You are rather the stronger one. You rather become the stronger one. You rather become. When something is important to you, my brothers and sisters, you don't treat it casually. Amen. Don't be in a hurry to cut off a connection or relationship God is using or used to move you from ashes to glory. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 6. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will, you, will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Some of us, when we are nobodies, we are struggling. We are available. As soon as God begins to bless you. I remember one time, my mother in the Lord, Mama Rita, wanted me to preach for him. In 2010, 11, their women conference. So she called me. My son, how are you? I said, mommy, I'm doing well. Then he said, ma'am, I want you to. Are you? She, she asked me, he said, can you come and preach for me? And then I said, mommy, when? You see, in my mind, I was trying to know when. And then he said, she corrected me. She said, when your parents want you, you don't ask them when. You tell them, I am available and I'm at your disposal. Look at the role Apostle General and the wife has played in my life. And I'm now asking them because I have become a big boy. I want you to come and preach for me. When? I missed it. In fact, that day when I went to preach, when I got to the place, the church, the first thing I went to do, I went to look for her and I said, Mommy, I missed it. Forgive me. As I'm saying this, some of you don't even get it. But pastor, you want me and I'm busy. Can't I say it? You've missed it. And that's how sometimes we, 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 we break bridges. And now you come to the, the river and there is nothing to cross with. What can you cross with when you have broken what was given you? Look at the king. He said, my son Nehemiah, my cupbearer, as you are going, when are you coming back? How long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. And I set him a time. Literally speaking, Nehemiah was saying that for what you have done to me, I will be your cup bearer forever. Don't be in a hurry to leave. Oh, now we are free. We have built our own. Look, when we were small boys, when we were not married, we could do other jobs in church. Oh, now I'm a married man. I'm, I have children. You can't talk to me anyhow. Shame. You don't even know who you are. If you know, you won't say some of these things. Look at it. And I set him a time. He didn't say, my king, now that you have released me, bye-bye. <laughs> he would have gone for him again. 
He set him a time. Don't be in a hurry. Don't destroy godly relationships. You may not need it today, but it will be of help to you tomorrow. It is the safe key on your path to glory life. Number seven, expect detractors to show up. Expect unreasonable men to show up. Expect wicked people to show up. The Sambalats and the Tobiases. Listen, if you want to amount to anything in life, you can't be naive. It can be people in your own house, your own brothers, your own sisters. The Bible says Jesus knew men, but he did not commit himself to anybody, including his own mother and brothers and sisters. One day they came to him. He said, tell them, my brothers and sisters are those who are doing the will of God. Expect it. Because listen, in this life, not all smiles are lovely smiles. Some are smiles to say, I hear you. I will get you. Don't be naive. Expect them. Make room. So that when it happens, it doesn't stop you. And it doesn't make you ask questions. Some of us, God started so well with us until in the office, somebody started gossiping about you to your boss or wherever you are working. Somebody started saying negative things about you and you pause. You have put your life on pause. Asking God questions. Come on! Make room so that when it happens, it will rather push you to the place of prayer more. Make room for detractors. When you read Nehemiah 2 verse 10. Detractors. And when you read through the story. Up to the end. These guys never went away. Listen to me child of God. You will have detractors around you. On your path to glory. They will be there. Make room for them. Not all detractors are responded to. Some you must confront them if you have the opportunity. Others ignore. They will be there. People will say bad things about you like me. People will say bad things. Some things are just, look, the things they've said about us, we, this church shouldn't even be able to sit 100 people. But you see, what you must understand is that when somebody doesn't like you, they will never say anything good about you. Why should you worry your head about those who don't love you at the expense of those who love you? Make room for them. Number eight, guard against assumptions. Never walk in assumptions when you are seeking God's blessings and approval for greatness. Never walk in assumptions. Never. Tell somebody never. Guard against assumptions. Don't assume. Well, the king has given me the materials. He has given me everything I need. So you go to the territory and the first thing you start, oh, let's build Choboy. No. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 11 to 16 about Nehemiah. Let's read that. I want us to read that. He didn't assume. The Bible says that as soon as he went in, chapter 2, verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. Interesting. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent wall and then the refuse gate. 
and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or others who did the work. Hallelujah. He didn't assume. He counted the costs. He took into consideration that there could be challenges. There could be delays. Listen, in this journey with God, sometimes there are delays. There are disappointments. And it will only affect you when you were not expecting or have not counted the cost, prepared yourself appropriately. This morning, I came to share with you the word of God. That if you want to move from ashes to glory, don't walk in assumption. Don't assume God understands. Don't assume God likes it. Don't assume my brother knows. Don't assume my sister knows. Be a person of details. Count the costs. Be in charge. Be on top of issues. Everything. You want to marry this year. You want to buy a car this year. You want to rent a better apartment this year. These are high cost events. You must choose which one is a priority. Don't assume, let me put the marriage first because after wedding, people will give me gifts and money and then I have the money to add to what I have to buy the car and then I'll go and rent. You will remain in that single room forever. Don't assume. Plan. Plan. Tell somebody plan. Never assume. Plan. Don't assume, even if it's healing, you are trusting God for. Don't assume that his voice says so. Go for it. Finally, number nine, testify boldly about how God helped you and not your smartness and connections. That's one sin I've seen in this church. When God has lifted people, they begin to turn their back. Do you know what I did? What did you do? What could you possibly have done? I was sharing with my wife about the story of Nehemiah, what intrigues me. This whole story we are reading, eh? the, 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 the request he made to the king. It was the same king who destroyed that nation and took them as slaves. The same king. Have you heard one before that somebody brings you down and it's the same person you are asking to help you build. It will kill you. And God shows up in your life. Let everybody know. Don't be ashamed. Let people know. Listen, I am a product of grace. I have been educated. I have two PhDs to the glory of God. But I don't stand on platforms. I've done my master's in advanced prophetics, Christian leadership. I don't stand on platforms with those credentials. I stand here. Yes, it has helped me to become a better preacher in delivery, in understanding the scriptures, but I am a product of grace. I am who I am by the grace of God. Look at the things God is using us to do. 
In this church, we don't have any businessman in this church. This morning, I found myself praying, oh Lord, give me strategic salary workers. And I was laughing. I was even laughing. Because some of my members, where they work, three months, one month, their salary has not come. When everybody has finished spending their June salary in July, DS is now coming, May. Where are the Pushika? And so where are the Pushika? Testify. Testify boldly about how God helped you and not your smartness and connections. You know what? God gave me this connection. No, and that. No, 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 no. It is the Lord. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds, the laborers will labor, but in vain. I have met some strategic leaders and people in authority in our nation and beyond the nations of the world. It was God. It was God. My brothers and sisters, these eight pathways, if you follow them, you are halfway the journey to glory. This morning, you have heard the word of God. Before we pray, I want to give anybody who is watching me from wherever, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. All that I have said, yes, they are major keys and principles, but they will not work for you. Because these are for people in the kingdom. You have never given your life to Jesus. In the next one minute, I want to lead you to pray the sinner's prayer. Invite Jesus into your life. When he is Lord, he will help you. So just lift up your hand wherever you are and pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you have done for my redemption. This morning, I confess Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. Cleanse me from all my sins. Make me one of your own. I believe that he died and he rose again just for me. I thank you that I am saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to pray with us many also. You are tired because of the circumstances of life. Say, Pastor, this message is inspiring, but I think I can't fight anymore. Get up. You can't remain there. When God met Adam and Eve in the garden, hiding with fig leaves, he didn't say, well, you have covered yourself, so go. The Bible says he took away the leaves and he put a skin of an animal. That was the first time God was telling us that nothing can take away our sins except blood. Listen to me. It is okay to be tired. Elijah was tired. Many great men got tired. Even Jesus got tired. In a boat, he slept. Water was coming in. He didn't feel it. He was tired. He was fast asleep. I want to pray with you this morning that God will energize you once again. If you are like that, pray with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I surrender my will. I surrender my all to you. Lord, I open up my heart. Empower me once again. Energize me once again to pursue because I have come to understand that with you, all things are possible. 
with you all things are possible. I receive grace to continue with the race of life knowing that as Jesus is my captain I will be victorious. I will break through and I will triumph. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the ability. I give you praise in Jesus name. Please those who are watching if you are sick in any part of your body just place your hand there. I want to trust God with you. Please, whatever the sickness is, some of us, you can't even tell. You just go weak. You just go weak. You can't even tell. You just go weak. You become weak. Some parts of the day, you lose energy. In the night, whatever is happening, stretch your faith with me. In the name of Jesus, Father, I rebuke every weakness in their bodies right now. I curse every disease. Because these ones are your temples. Therefore, I declare, whatever is not allowing these temples to be whole, I curse it out of their bodies. I release your healing power over them now. I curse that headache, go. That palpitation, leave their body. And that waste problem, I curse you in the name of Jesus. That infirmity in their body, there are organs that are affected. Lord, I curse them. In the name of Jesus, I stretch my faith and pray for as many as have even been affected by this virus. Lord, by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, let, oh God, their status change now. We lift up a standard of your spirit according to your word. In Isaiah 59 verse 19b, let the standard of your spirit be lifted against the flood of the enemy. Oh Lord, let the standard of your spirit be lifted against the invasion of this COVID-19 pandemic. In the name of Jesus, let every medical condition all bow to the name of Jesus now. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the healings. Thank you for the deliverance in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for your people. As many as have interviews, have appointment this week, let your favor go ahead of them. Let your favor go ahead of them. Make a way where there is no way. Open doors after their kind. Oh Lord, in this year of breakthrough, go ahead of your people. Fight our battles for us in the mighty name of Jesus. I give you praise, Lord. Give you glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Father, I bless you. Father, I honor you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Any conspiracy against any member of the church and anybody watching, Lord, I scatter it. I scatter it. I scatter it. I declare life over your people. I prophesy according to your word. We shall not die. We shall live to declare of your wondrous works. In the mighty name of Jesus, I give you praise. I give you glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have sent forth your word and it will not return to you empty. It shall accomplish. Thank you for accomplishment. Yes, thank you for accomplishment. 
Thank you for accomplishment. Thank you for accomplishment. Father, I thank you. Father, I bless you. I give you praise in the name of Jesus.